Hello. Yo, dude. Hey, How goes it? Not bad. You? Fair. Fair. Ooh, I like that wallpaper, Tom. Thank you. Uh, it's not wallpaper. It's we painted it ourselves using oh, shit. Dude, using that's tight. Like, cape and and paint. If you if you got a close up view of it at some point after the lockdown is done, if we're still here, then <laughs> you should all come around. We'll all have pasta beers and watch football at some point. Yeah, oh, yeah that like, is the dream. It is the dream. Play a bit of Madden, you know. Is it... Hate everything. <laughs> yes. Is it some... black and yellow for no discernible reason? No, it's it's grey, dark blue, like a sort of royal blue oh, and shit. Uh, and yellow. Hang on, let me turn on like. Oh, I've just realised that we've not got the fairy lights plugged in. I'll go turn on like some actual lights. <laughs> so quite a lot of crack then. <laughs> <laughs> you get to see the colours a little bit better now. Oh, we saw we saw pink. I'll tell oh, yeah. you that. Me, Sam Long. Me, Tom Chapel. Excellent. Lovely. Um, week five, eh? Why Getting do you default quick. to? Why do you default to X A after everything? <laughs> I've got yeah, the birth of his first child. They like hand it over, and he just looks at it and goes, "Child, <laughs> eh?" <laughs> 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 oh, well, I, I can't i feel like uh i don't know like enough about you know overarching themes of you know football and things that happen enough to string together kind of a introduction into what's happened all you need to do is just go pig skin gridiron ball i was meant to see a match on my impression right why not? Well, <laughs> better than mine. Um, Should we get into some fucking games and do what, what are we saying? Are we going to clear out some of the shit ones so we can talk at length about the good ones and yeah. also do our, our topic of, of your choice, Sam? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, clear out the shisters. I'm going to start. I'm going to propose that we start with the game that I watched zero seconds of, and that was Jets Cardinals. <laughs> I'm happy to yeah, get that I, one. I watched very well. I watched this game in the sort of the game in 40 module, but I honestly, I think I watched more of this game than Adam Gase did. <laughs> <laughs> As at this moment, that's, if you can believe it, listeners, Adam Gase is still employed. Yeah, I forgot about our weekly segment, well, our weekly reminder that Adam Gase still has a job. <laughs> Yeah. Oh god. I remember yeah. nothing about this game except that the Cardinals won and the, the Cardinals Jets won lost. handily. <laughs> Flacco was sort of like he was like an imitation of a quarterback. They were they were like, Oh come on. <laughs> like you know you know if they're like there was some sort of Broadway production and they were like, Oh yeah, we just need someone to look like a quarterback for the for the for the <laughs> The Cardinals are the main event, guys. We just need someone to look like a team. Is it a little bit like when the Gar- when the Harlem Globetrotters sort of show up with like a bunch of no-name basketball players and then they're just like, you guys aren't the stars of the show. You just have to sit there and take it. Yeah, that is literally what it was. It was it was like Avery Williamson and nothing for the Jets, <laughs> essentially. Um, 
it was a get-right game for the Cardinals. The Jets are the perfect team to play whatever week it is, but especially if you've sort of lost two games on the bounce. Calamari's mm. hair's grown. I, that was something I noted. He doesn't have the, <laughs> he's, he's opted for sort of a, um, like a, a late 90s ice cube blowout. It's working for him. <laughs> and I, I feel like that's probably the appropriate time to leave it. Yeah, blowout being the right word, yeah. Yeah, um, another game that I don't recall having any notes aside from comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, finally gets back on the fucking field after after year, well, a year and a half out. Welcome back to the league, Alex Smith. Here's oh. Aaron Donald. Yeah. Oh, enjoy, God, when he fucking jumped on him. Oh, my God, his first fucking, Jesus his first, Christ. like, actual snap after coming back, and Aaron Donald, the sort of just shy of 300-pound man, puts all of his body weight onto that fucking titanium <laughs> that wasn't, rod. That wasn't entirely necessary. The man with the iron leg was like, <laughs> he so nearly went down again. It was, I honestly, when I saw Alex Smith making his way on for that first snap, there were tears in my eyes, which I know is a weird thing, but I was just like, go Alex, look at you. Mm. In terms of... Didn't play great, did it? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Uh, The reason why I sort of wanted to get this one out of the way again is because there were just, I saw two rushing touchdowns from quarterbacks and then I didn't see anything else for the rest of any coverage on red zone because there was fuck all that happened. The Rams have gone from being a team that have looked good to a team that have looked shit against two of the worst teams in the NFL. So like, what the fuck, what are you doing, LA? I wouldn't go that far because they did beat Washington comfortably, but Jalen Ramsey shouldn't have been on the field. That was a sort of clear helmet to helmet, and Kyle Allen he should have I'd, been ejected. See, I don't yeah. think it was. I don't think it was helmet to helmet. In the same way that I've been going back and rewatching quite a lot of calls that could have gone either way, I've looked at it and he gets his head out of the way. It's actually Kyle Allen puts his head into Jalen Ramsey. Like Kyle Allen lowers his helmet, mm-hmm. and Jalen Ramsey, if if Kyle Allen doesn't lower his helmet, he hits him sort of about here. But the helmet lowering basically puts Kyle Allen's head in the way. It's not like the Harrison Smith one from last week where he flew into <laughs> him from like 15 yards across the field, targeted his head while he's already met, like on his way down. Kyle like Allen put his missile. head there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, then on the flip side of the coin, Harrison's a clean player and Jalen Ramsey is a dirty <laughs> bastard. So like... <laughs> is there any sort of call for that being an element to consider? Like the ref's like, oh, it's Jalen, get him off. You know, only one person's been ejected. Wait, did Jalen Ramsey get ejected for that? No. No? Okay, cool. But I don't think he should have been bit. We can review it later <laughs> on if, if you want a greater detail, because we do also have a second topic that we want to all get over to, and that is a Zebra Watch. But, yeah, um, <laughs> we're going to on the planes on the Serengeti for some purpose this week. <laughs> it's sort of the only other game that I've got noted down as, as a game that has very little of note is really Falcons Panthers. The big news yeah. came I after that. Panthers looked great. Yeah, the Panthers are well the... coached, aren't they? Yeah, um, mm. Matt Rule is definitely whipping up them Panthers into an actual sort of franchise. I, I think that the Panthers have gotten better after CMC's injury. Um, and it's because Teddy Bridgewater is being allowed to actually be trusted with the team. And Teddy Bridgewater is making good plays. He's controlling the ball. He's moving it around well. I know that this is the Falcons' defense and we should always take everything against them with a pinch of salt. But this is week five of the of the year and Teddy Bridgewater has played well in three of these weeks at, at the very least. So Teddy Bridgewater might actually be a franchise quarterback for the Panthers from here out. 
Good. Um, I'm just happy. I'm just happy that someone else is complimenting Teddy. I mean, <laughs> I've been saying this all along, but um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The Panthers looked far and away the better team on both offense and defense because Matt Ryan had a rare off day. He didn't really have anyone to throw to. I thought Todd Gurley had had a, a good but, um, day, but again, looks... I don't think you can blame on Matt Ryan at all. Yeah, I struggled. I struggled again with with the Falcons' defense. It just looked like eleven headless chickens, didn't it? Yep. Um, and the the news mm. that came out of that is that Thomas Dimitrov, who has been with the Falcons since 2008, he famously drafted Matt Ryan, uh, turned the franchise from sort of a. Did they finish like two and fourteen when they drafted Matt Ryan? It was it was a so. terrible record into a, having a Super Bowl window for the first time since like the mid 90s, basically. First and then the Vic era. Yeah, and then just sort of flum like flummox them back down into complete bottom dwellers. Like, great, nice work, Thomas. Uh Dan Quinn probably was responsible for a bit of it. He also went perfect move, to be honest. I think the Falcons needed to get rid of both of them because it was it was looking stagnant, unorganized, and a mess. Mm. They were becoming the two of them were becoming sort of like a gangrenous limb. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One other final point about this game that I have is that the Falcons field might be the worst in the NFL. Uh, Not for injuries, but just it looks disgusting. You mean color wise? Yeah, it's 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 horrible. (laughs) I can't. I genuinely, I never want to watch Falcons games because I don't think I can sit and stare at that sort of swamp past green this is the thing because the georgia sort of stadium has this like blue grass that's lovely so what what is um yeah what are they doing because you're right it is the color of baby sick <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyone got any other games that we want to get rid of these fucking early shit games with anything else not catch your eye in any um, way shape or form not really i think there's you know a bit more to get into on pretty much everything else Okay. Yeah, I, I I should say that um we should probably just because it's fresh in my mind. Do so we want to do Chargers Saints next? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. I think that has the least intrigue of the remaining games. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll 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 give it. <laughs> <laughs> are we, are we, which which game is less intriguing? Texans Jags. Oh yeah. And we didn't really learn anything about Ravens Bengals because we already knew that a team with a good defense uh, was yeah. going to completely obliterate a team with no offense besides Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. So I think that the worst news to come out of that is that is is Sam Hubbard. I know he's injured, but has he gone to IR? I'm not sure whether or not he's ended up on IR, but he's been a bright spot for that Bengals uh, Bengals D line. So let's hope that he's all right. I mean, to be so, fair, the Bengals' defense, I thought, played really well. I don't know whether or not it was because Lamar Jackson had that sort of knee issue and Mark Andrews, I think, showed up on the injury report with sort of like, I think it was his, he had a leg injury. I don't know if it was his calf, I think. But neither of them particularly played all too well. And I, I think the Bengals' defense actually looked quite good. Uh, yeah, the, I, the score was incredibly flattering to the Ravens. Yeah. It was. I mean, it's because they were blessed with short fields because, like, since he kept turning it over. But I can't remember who it was. Um, was it Was it the Titans who sort of um, created a blueprint on how to sort of beat the Ravens, which is just to not rush Lamar Jackson, not try and get any penetration into the backfield, wait to see what they do out of all of those strange sets, and then... Well, it seems like the way to beat Lamar Jackson, because we've seen two teams have a successful defensive structure against Lamar Jackson, and it's either you go for all-out pressure, but from every angle of the of the pocket so he can't run out, or you go for no pressure. It's the teams that sit in that middle ground that Lamar Jackson rushes for 120 yards, passes for 400, 
completely obliterates everything that you've got left of a defense. But everyone else, like if you if you rush everyone or no one, then you might have a chance of stopping him. The classic head coach blitz. I mean, on one since he brought Zach Taylor from the sideline. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Can you imagine if you're allowed to do that? I, thought, I just thought of that. Wouldn't that be incredible if like, a member of the coaching staff just came on at the launch time? You're allowed one player game and the coaching staff is allowed to take part in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically what happened in one Steelers-Ravens game, if you remember rightly. I'm not sure. I do know the law on this one. Would you? Uh, there was, there was, I can't remember who it was, but it was uh, during the Joe Flacco era. And um, I think it might have been a kick return, and the Ravens were going like going away downfield. They were basically in for the score, and Mike Tomlin stepped out onto the field in the path of the uh, returner and tripped him up. But then he, fa- he he played it perfectly and like turned away, and he was like, "Oh my god, I I didn't realize what had happened," and like sort of got out the way, and and the Steelers like special team were able to catch up. It was like four or five years ago, maybe nice. even Classic maybe even longer. Shit, but, yeah. It's what you want from a from a divisional game, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's videos of Mike Tomlin being on on the field and almost getting wiped out by a, a Ravens returner. Anyway, Zach Taylor in on the blitz. Yeah, Zach Taylor. Hmm? That's a, that's a thing that happened. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could call it the ballroom blitz play. I like it. Yeah, I really do like. It. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to go off topic, but I, t- I tease this in my article, right? But you know how the the NFL is sort of um, the NFL is sort of talking about abolishing the kickoff and sort of like abolishing the onside kick. I would love to see a free play onside kick. Free play onside kick. <laughs> yeah, imagine you imagine your team is down like fourth and twelve, and like everyone's expecting you to kick a field goal, and what happens instead is you kick an onside kick. What just and blast it, it at the at the <laughs> at the line. Yeah. <laughs> I dug into the rules a lot and you can only do them on like specific free kick plays, but like just every now and again just trot out the onside kick team and just see what happens. I think <laughs> that we need to see more teams trying it from do you know when they can see the safe day and yeah. it's a free kick? I think I want to see an onside punt. I mean it, it's that's one of the situations where you can legally onside kick. Perfect. Get it done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Texans, Jags, or Sorry, do, we yeah, need, do we want to go Saints, Chargers? Well, um, I'll go Texans, Jags. Yeah. I mean, I Garrett suppose we better had. Romeo Cornell got his sort of first win as the head coach of the Texans, or the interim head coach, I should say. Am I right in saying David Johnson got 96 yards rather than a full 100? Is it, was it 96? He got somewhere I, close. I can't confirm because I know nothing about this game. David Johnson as a player is so nondescript that he carried for 96 yards and I can't remember a carry. No. In fact, I remember seeing one where he went for 12 yards and that was because Red Zone was like, David Johnson! And I was like, all right, thanks, Scott Hansen. Yeah. You always appreciate Scott Hansen's enthusiasm, but like, I don't, I don't need him shouting about David Johnson while I'm mid. I'm trying to, I'm trying to watch the Steelers here, Scott. Please. We're entering the witching hour. <laughs> um, Seven hours of commercial free fuckball. If you ever want to come join us for a quick podcast, Scott, the opportunity is yours. We know you're there. We know you we know you listen. <laughs> what would you do if he just actually just showed up in the middle of our Zoom call one day? It's like it's like it pops up and it goes, Seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, bitching hour. 
<laughs> oh god um, right, we've managed to chat about nothing again um, Jags, Texans I mean some things happened in this game it was a divisional game between two teams that are unlikely to escape their division Texans got a win, the Jags sort of winning their first two games looks a long way off now, they look bereft of talent on both sides of the ball, I think James Robinson is sort of already regressing slightly from where he was a few weeks ago Hmm. Well, the sort of rookie excitement about some of these like up and coming running backs has sort of faded away. It's it's easier to cover a running back when you know what he's going to do and you've got some actual film on him. It's the same reason why we've seen Joshua Kelly's uh, production drop slightly. I remember in the first sort of three weeks, he was looking very dangerous on on rushing plays for the Chargers, and his production sort of dropped into two yards at, at best on a lot of carries. I think it's because teams are able to get a scouting report, and that's just what's happening with James Robinson unfortunately um. yeah but it is it is for a lot of the rookie running backs I mean maybe JK Dobbins aside in Baltimore like mm. DeAndre Swift was very bad and then he was sort of downgraded to out well, Jonathan Taylor is a very very good running back but he's sort of more of a, a chugger than a churner he looks a bit more like James Connor than I think we thought yeah, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You do need someone that will get the sort of hard fought yards. But it's not. Yeah, yeah it's not a criticism at all. But I think they were probably expecting more of an explosive kind of guy, and they've just not really had that yet. Out but of I, I have heard that he's injured, though, isn't he? I think I think he got injured the same week as Marlon Mack, and sort of been playing through something yeah i mean the, the point sort of stands that jacksonville is just a far cry from what we thought jacksonville was after two games and is far more like what we thought they were at the start of the season yeah i'd agree with that um i had i we all initially basically had them as the worst team in the nfl they've been proven to not be that because the jets exist they aren't <laughs> far off mm-hmm. i don't think the giants can't be part of that conversation either i mean i'm sorry sam but the giants no, I, are a disgrace also but at least the, i think that the giants yeah. have had more chance they've had there have been more, more of a sighting spots, of, of of a win out of the giants and we'll come on to that later on because to be honest this week i think was probably their best chance of winning they actually looked like yeah. a team that were competent but we'll 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 get on to that um Shall we start running through them in order of the games that are more exciting and have more to start? And where better to go than the sunny Midwest at Arrowhead? Chiefs Raiders. I'm going to go get a beer while you guys talk about this. Do Do you honestly not want to talk about the Chiefs' first loss of the season? Oh, I do. I just want... He doesn't because he lost lost £60, £60 on it. But God, God forbid the fucking best quarterback in the NFL at the moment can't beat the fucking Raiders. The Raiders are a good team, dude. Shouldn't have been betting against John Gruden and his wi- uh, willful hex magic. Like a like a slab of sausage that's been imbued with magic powers. <laughs> <laughs> like a if John Gruden wasn't so powerfully American, I think we could have potentially argued for him being the, the Hans Gruber of the fucking NFL. But he's so strongly American. <laughs> that we can't sort of past it I think that do you remember um, do you remember The Incredibles I think he's the syndrome (laughs) (laughs) actually that's that's probably in really poor taste now isn't it there's a bad guy called syndrome yeah a little bit Mm. Um, yeah maybe Uh, we all knew what what yeah I might also go get that beer I've got a beer in the fridge why not you guys go I'll 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 do some analysis myself do your analysis Stiff Upper Lip are partnering with Gridiron Extra, which is a UK-based NFL site. They do a lot of work in things like the draft 
and they have many writers on to write about the pertinent topics, whether that's power rankings, whether that's preview drafts, whether that's just general chit-chat and articles Tom and I have written for them. We've had Ben Matthews, who's the founder of Gridiron Extra, on to speak about the Seahawks in the past, and we definitely will again. I would strongly urge you, if you're a fan of the podcast, if you're a fan of the NFL and you're from the UK, read into Gridiron Extra, because they, they've just got everything you want as a UK fan. So to find all this incredible content, to find all this lovely, lovely content, just visit www.gridironextra.com. Extra without the E. Gridiron Extra without the E. Voice of an angel. The Raiders have come away with it and the Chiefs have kind of fucked it a little bit because I don't know. Yeah, Patrick Patrick looked quite, you know, a lot less, a lot more flappable than I'd ever expect him to. I would say I wouldn't even say that. I mean, obviously he threw the pick six when they were down, but that's because they were chasing the game. If you'd have asked me before this game, what part of this Raiders defense do you like? I'd have sort of been like, Oh, and then for some, it all just came together because it, it's impossible to see. I mean, I can't even, other than Darren Waller, I can't really even name a Raiders player that played that well. I think Henry Ruggs had a very good game. Oh, yeah. To be honest, I think, yeah, yeah. I think Derek Carr actually had one of his strongest games at quarterback since maybe 2017. Like he played very well here against, against the Chiefs who have shown that they can defend deep passes so they challenged David Carr to try and... Uh, sorry, Derek Carr. Uh, I've been playing too much NFL 2K5 recently and keep calling him David now. <laughs> I, yeah, they challenged him to beat them over the top and he, he actually fucking did it because guess what? The Raiders have got a deep threat wide receiver now and Henry Ruggs looks like the real fucking deal. Yeah, somewhere Al Davis is looking up at us like... Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> that man is in hell. Yeah, but... of course he is. <laughs> The Raiders' offense suddenly looks like it's stacked full of weapons. I mean, Hunter Renfro is a great sort of slot receiver. Ruggs is a deep threat. Waller catches everything that's sort of thrown his way. I think the the ceiling on that offense is Carr, and in this game, he proved that he could he could sort of throw it and could start to slang it a little bit. But yeah, I I still don't know how the Chiefs lost, even with even with us complimenting the Raiders. It's like the the, the Chiefs should still have eased past them, and they just didn't. Yeah, mm. this was. I mean, the Raiders' defense the looked very. It, they had something. I think twenty or a little bit more kind of pressures. Yeah, I, and, um, you know, I mean, I left the game surprised. as well, didn't he? Yeah, Kalachi Assembly left, um, which yeah. may have hurt them quite a lot actually, because you could definitely tell that there was a drop off, especially in the run game. Speaking of sort of rookie running backs who started out very well, but have sort of slightly regressed a little bit into potentially what they could be now that we've got some film. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has, has struggled a little bit after that first two, three weeks. He's definitely still a threat in the passing game, but he's nowhere near as effective in the run game as the Chiefs potentially would have hoped for after that first initial burst. Well, I think what happened was they they sort of, in those first games, they managed to surprise teams by using him on the ground. Mm. And now, because everyone thought, oh, well, it's just going to be another sort of receiving option every, you know, kind of the way the Saints use Kamara. Yeah. Like if Kamara's in, you know, it's probably going to be passing down. Yeah, he, he's not looked the player that we thought he was sort of week one and two. He hasn't looked bad by any stretch, and he's still more than capable of getting the first down. But yeah, he's not quite got that twitch that he had the first couple of weeks. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I feel I feel like I just need to talk about this because I I sound like I'm really down on the Raiders. I'm I'm not. I'm, it was such an impressive <laughs> win for them, but I think it was very much a sort of a team win, wasn't it? Rather than sort of like any individual's merit and accolades, yeah. I think everyone sort of... No incredibly standout performances. performances. 
Yeah. To be fair, that is pretty much what the Raiders organization always preaches about. It's always, I mean, you always hear about teams talking about their culture. The Raiders culture has pretty much always been, we win as a unit, not as a, not as a team of individuals. They are always that team that always seems to try and knock it out a bit as an actual unit. I think that that's probably why John Gruden actually fits the Raiders well, because he is the embodiment of, we've got these players they are good players, but I'm going to teach them to be just one solid unit and look out for their look out for each other. I think that that's he's, why his great Raiders skill is certainly his his skill is certainly sort of maximizing the talent of his players, isn't it? Hmm. So the next game that is interesting is Steelers Eagles, um, but I feel like we should probably move to 49ers Dolphins because 49ers Dolphins was more exciting and both games were still very good. Uh, but who the fuck saw the Dolphins <laughs> putting up 43 points on this 49ers team? 43 points. <sighs> I love Ryan Fitzpatrick with all of my heart. How can you not? Yeah. Agreed. And he not only excited, but he delivered in a consistently good way. He wasn't just like a bad quarterback turned exciting or like a guy that will occasionally throw for 300 yards. He looked like a guy that the Dolphins could lean on for a few years now. (laughs) That, yeah, you're not, you're not at all, you're not at all wrong. I mean, even I think through the first five weeks, he's looked like, why would you bring Tua in? Yeah. (laughs) And and you, we were talk, talking earlier about like which rookies have impressed, and we'll probably talk about that more at length over here on this pod. To a tongue of Iloa, you you reckon may end up being seen as a pretty bad draft pick, just because if you sat behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, when are you going to get the game? We're either going to see him in week nine when Ryan Fitzpatrick suddenly falls off the cliff like he usually does, or we're not going to see him for another five years. I mean, this was the this was sort of my knock. I, I dare I say it on Tua coming out of college that he wasn't the sort of the most wasn't the most interesting player because he's sort of like very breezy and in the way he goes about things which is like fine but in terms of excitement the day you bench Ryan Fitzpatrick the day this is the day that the fun sort of leaves your offense <laughs> and I, I don't think for the record that I think Chew is a great QB and I don't think that he's anyone's going to look at this as a mistake by Miami but just sort of it's hard it's hard to see the move as successful when you're not getting snaps and players like even Jalen Hurts is getting snaps yeah very true um the 49ers offense had I mean the injuries that they have suffered has been bad and they're missing pieces on their own line they they have missed running backs they've never been able to get the same team out on the field from week one onwards um but I mean, this was this was terrible, and I don't know whether or not it's because Brian Flores has coached this Dolphins team into actually having a successful defense. To be fair, they have played very well in their in their in their games so far, Miami. But mm. the 49ers' offense was it was bad. It was it was a bad team performance. We usually try and come up with fancy words to describe teams misfiring, but there's no word that sums it up better than just a bad day from the Niners. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't look doesn't look confident and we don't rate him, do we? Mm. No, I think bad is another word that accurately describes Garoppolo as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Do you think but, he was completely healthy kind of coming into that? No. no. 
Because it looked like he was having a bit of trouble. He didn't look ready. I mean, whether that was sort of like a physical thing or whether it's like a perception thing, he wasn't Mm. ready to come back. And hindsight will tell you that he wasn't ready to come back. But at this point, do you think the 49ers consider this a lost season? As as crazy as it sounds. I think based off of the other divisions, I think we'll have to wait and see. Because what are they now? Like, they're two and three, aren't they, right now, the 49ers, with two Mm. wins against the Jets and Giants. I think their division is still firing pretty hot i mean you've got the three and two cardinals the four and one rams four and one and then yeah. the five and over seahawks so they're not they're not going to be taking that divisional crown but whether or not with the expanded playoffs we may see them in there but i don't think that with the money that they've spent they'll be happy to write it off as a lost season but i think we may see them struggling to really improve from here out so uh, a serious question then do you think that garoppolo is the answer because i know that we sort of talk about garoppolo is bad and that is certainly true, in my opinion. But you can sort of, I don't know, if, if you look past his actual play, over the past three seasons, he's missed more than one game in every season. I mean, you know, one of the best abilities for quarterbacks is durability and availability. Do, they, do the 49ers strike you as someone who could be potentially like a player in free agency or in the um, draft in a QB next year? I think I do agree with you that the, the quarterbacks that are most durable are the ones that always get the props. Like, obviously, Russell Wilson, we never see miss games uh, it surprised me when I heard that Dak Prescott has never missed a start for the Cowboys um, we'll get on to why he'll be missing quite a lot of time um, Phil Rivers obviously famously on that ridiculous streak of is it 230 games now that he's started consecutively he's <laughs> durable as fuck um, mm-hmm. although wasn't hold on wasn't he benched at the end of last season oh he was Ooh. But um, I think the other one is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's only missed very, very few games over his career. Mm. But they're always the ones that sort of get a lot of props and the guys that are out injured a lot or start dealing with injury concerns. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he's just never actually on the field enough to even get into a rhythm. And then when he gets into a rhythm, you maybe see that he's he's got ability there and you can see why maybe Kyle Shanahan still believes him in as a quarterback. But I just he doesn't have enough opportunity to actually build up that momentum as a quarterback and I think that that's their biggest issue and I do think that they want to move on from him as much as what Kyle Shanahan says what about what about Shanahan I mean if this is a lost season could we see the 49ers say this experiment's not gone well Kyle get out of dodge I don't think so I think that they like Kyle Shanahan in in San Francisco. I think they'll have seen what he did, sort of taking a team that went two and fourteen the year before to, or was it three and thirteen when Nick Mullins played a shit ton of snaps? And yeah, just I think they'll move on from Garoppolo before they move on from Shanahan. Mm, yeah, you're probably right, yeah. and he has a good relationship with John Lynch as well, which is yeah. Shall we do the rest of the games? Because I'm pretty sure we might actually be able to wrap up all of the games during this 40-minute window. Hello. I mean, I think that is extremely optimistic, but we can do it. It's optimistic, but you never know. Obviously, we've also got all of our other topics and shit that will take up an extra four hours of recording, but you know. Well, no, I mean, we can still, you know, breeze through a few of these. Uh, Speaking of breeze, should we go Chargers Saints? Yeah, we'll go for Chargers Saints. <laughs> I think I think that that's a, a brilliant segue, Ed. Chargers Saints. Justin Herbert, guys. Justin Herbert Drop, has been... Some absolute fucking bombs. Do you know what I think that the Chargers' biggest downfall was in this game? Um, for the second week out of Justin Herbert's four games that he's played, it's been Anthony Lynn. 
and I hate to say it because I love Anthony Lynn as a as a guy, and I I, I think he's a really good coach, and he's he's been with the Chargers for what feels like fucking years. But his conservative play calling is is actually slightly fucked them here because the the Saints didn't have an answer to Justin Herbert. They didn't have an answer whatsoever for anything that he was doing in the air, except short completions and the run game. And that's how the Saints managed to get back into this game. Because as soon as Anthony Lynn stopped having Justin Herbert like cork the ball downfield with his ridiculously good cannon for an arm that was dropping dimes left, right and centre, the Saints got momentum and ended up squeaking their way back in by controlling the ball, moving the ball downfield and keeping the charges off, off the field. Like I don't understand why you'd make that play call change with your team controlling it so well. Is it actually a play call change, though, or is it just the Saints changing the way they're sort of balanced on defence? Because, like, Lattimore was a liability the first half, and then the second half he was insane, so... Well, I think it was a play calling change, though, because when they did actually look downfield, they completed it for a touchdown, and it was a, a beautiful pass. And again, the Saints dropped, dropped coverage. And I think it was because they stopped targeting the actual secondary and started trying to challenge them under, underneath. I don't think that Antillin has, has helped out his, his rookie quarterback again, because Justin Herbert has played great. I don't think that it helps the Chargers not having Eckler, because I no, think had Eckler right. been on the field, that, that sort of short yardage trying to move the ball with run game would have worked a lot better than having Josh Kelly and... Was it Josh Jackson? Uh, Josh Jackson? Jacob Jackson? Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson, that's the one. You're absolutely right that it's a different game of Eckler's, isn't it? Um, I think the main talking point I had I had coming out of this game is the Saints have kind of found a player in Trey Hendrickson. I think he's okay. sort of... he. Where, now they've finally gone, oh, maybe Marcus Davenport isn't the guy we're going to have in all the time opposite Cam Jordan and said, go on then Trey Henderson, Hendrickson, kind of make that a position yours. I think he's played out of his mind actually i think he's been so good this year if you if you go back and look at sort of his disruptive presence yeah i i agree with that um he's definitely been a bright spot uh, especially defensively um i'm not going to talk about drew Brees' arm i think do you know how you pointed out that when alvin kamara is in the game you know that it's a passing down i think that the biggest coaching adjustment that the saints have made that have allowed them to at least deal with their limitations has been they're throwing it to Latavius Murray and they're running it with Alvin Kamara. There's a lot more actual deviation. It's not just, oh, we've got Murray in, we're going to go try and run it forward up the middle for four yards. And if there's Kamara in the game, we're completing it for 20 yards in like a screen. We're going to run it with Kamara and then we're going to throw it to Latavius Murray and you don't know whether or not we're going to run it or throw it, depending on our backs this year. I think that that has been their, their biggest strength on offense, to be honest. Well, that Sean Payton's remembered he's not Pat Shermer. Yeah, basically. Sorry about that. There's a very sort of crabby puss cat because it's ten past five and she hasn't had the second half of the tea. Don't worry, we're, um, we're well used to it. Yeah, we're well versed in sort of cat griping. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to rehash the Drew Brees' arm thing. No, because we talk about it every week and the charge, uh, the no. Saints keep I mean, finding I don't ways think we to have win. To win don't think we have to when it's becoming this increasingly obvious. Yeah, exactly. And aside from him, really, we don't 
I don't really have anything else to mention. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did have one more thing to mention about the Saints, sorry, before we move on. In in contrast to Trey Hendrickson, who I think is playing really well, I think was um, Demario Davis, was he a like an all-pro last year? He certainly went to yeah. the Pro Bowl because he's been basically ineffective so far, in my opinion. I mean, I, I don't watch a lot of the Saints, I must admit. So whether it's sort of like the short downs, he's sort of continuing to be a thumper, but certainly he looks such a liability in coverage. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that the entire... Saints secondary as a, as a whole has is, is sort of regressed. They've got a lot of players that have been sort of all pros and pro bowlers and, and very good players very much throughout their careers. But this year they look rough. One final Saints point that I want to make is, did you guys hear why Michael Thomas didn't play? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for those that aren't aware, Michael Thomas didn't play in this game despite being fully healthy um, and was was meant to be included in the lineup um, because uh, Janoris Jenkins made a joke about him, uh, him being a slants only guy and <laughs> one of the other secondary players I can't remember which one it was it was uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson that's the one uh, laughed at it and Michael Thomas punched him for it and the team have suspended him for a week so that seems fair yeah there's something about the uh, the NFC South that means that they just have yeah. like these snot-nosed punk wide receivers that just start fistfights <laughs> with people for no reason. How much do you reckon the Saints organization paid him to punch one of their own players? <laughs> 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 oh, that might be the best joke you've said on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> um, shall we? Shall we get yeah. into the final uh, few games? Actually, we've run through this very quickly. Steelers-Eagles, which is a game that we we moved on from uh, to Mm. talk 49ers-Dolphins, and now we can come back to it. I kept hearing every time the coverage, the sort of the red zone coverage shifted to this, someone was saying, the Keystone State. (laughs) I don't know whether you guys... (laughs) Yeah, I heard it so many times. They said it about 50 times on coverage. Scott Hansen couldn't leave it alone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, the Pennsylvania Pennsylvania sort of duel matchup, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I wouldn't really regard it as a derby, but you know, Chase Claypool, the first Steeler since 1968 to register four touchdowns in a game that wasn't the quarterback. He's also the first rookie in Steelers franchise history to ever record four touchdowns. What a fucking day for Mapletron. What a, what a sad day for the rest of the league when you sort of consider that the, the Steelers have once again managed to pick up sort of like a gem wide receiver, just like, for fuck's sake. Well, if we look, at, if we look historically at the Steelers' wide receiving draft, because it's sort of been pointed out which players they've hit on outside the first round, we've got Plexico Burst, Antonio Holmes, Mike... Uh, fucking uh, Juju Smith-Schuster we've got uh, Emmanuel Sanders we've got uh, uh, fucking Martavis Bryan was superb in in the Steel City (laughs) Mr. Big Chest Mr. Big Chest obviously famously in the sixth round Uh, what about Heinz Ward was Heinz Ward Heinz Ward I think was the first round draft pick Ah, right. Um, I don't even think... I don't even remember... I don't think we picked him no I genuinely think that he was picked by someone else um, and we traded for him, but yeah, it's another wide receiver. If I hadn't uh, Deontay Johnson, third round. Five stream, I wouldn't know who a lot of these people are. If you hadn't watched what, sorry? If I hadn't watched your 2K5 live stream, I wouldn't know who most of these people were. 
<laughs> it's funny because basically all of them except Plaxico Bears and Heinz Ward weren't even around then. Well, Plaxico Bears and Heinz Ward. Yeah, it's it's another hit, and it wasn't even just him on the wide receiver front that had a great day because on the other side of the the spectrum, Travis Fulgham, what was it, ten catches, hundred and fifty eight mm. yards, and and a touchdown as well. I mean, Travis, yeah, people are sort of scrabbling to add him on their fantasy teams, aren't they? I don't think was he. <laughs> I don't even think he was on the um the sort of fantasy roster at the start of the year because he was like a practice squad he definitely didn't have a picture i know this much um <laughs> but he's sort of bounced around practice squads for his entire career has never really found a home i'm pretty sure that at one point he worked for the usps at one point and now we're sort of finding him oh, oh sam's got some opinions about the usps that we all want to hear and just that i respect him more for that work than any of the work he's done since I don't think he's actually waited for the USPS, Sam. No. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, boys in blue. come on, you boys in blue. I mean, he showed up out of nowhere last week and had 60 yards and a, and a touchdown against the 49ers. And now he shows up and helps Carson Wentz have a good game. Um, there's obviously the big play as well of Miles Sanders went for a 76-yard touchdown, which... Ooh was the only thing that he did all game. In fact, it was the only thing that anyone on the Eagles run game did. Because aside from that, I think it was on the other 11 carries, they had about 10 yards complete, like in total. So there was the 76 yards for Miles Sanders, and then that was it. Um, I will say this, though. It was an uncharacteristically sort of poor performance from perhaps the secondary for the Steelers. Cause... 100%. Mm. Yeah, they did seem to allow a lot over the top. And then when Miles uh, Sanders did sort of break that D-line, they were just dropping off him, weren't they, really? Well, there was a reason why they dropped off him, and it was that there was sort of two counts of holding that were missed. But it was it was poor tackling in in the grand scheme of things anyway. But we'll, we'll let the Eagles have the, the touchdown for the horrible <laughs> defensive PI call on Darius Slay just before it. Um, but that's as far as I'm going with regards to the, we're letting the Eagles have refereeing decisions because as we'll come on to <laughs> later, the Zebras were out in full force. Someone should have brought their tranquilizer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much as far as I've really got about this game, really. It was the Steelers are 4-0 for the first time since 1978, which is ridiculous. For a team that has been one of the best teams Ever since that point, really, in terms of win record, it's bizarre to think that they've never gone for an hour aside from this year. Sam was gracious enough to mute the mic while performing a spectacular burp. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I I I could have lived with myself if I didn't. It was cavernous. (laughs) <laughs> I saw it on his face like I saw like a little vein in his neck pop out <laughs> you've got to project um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you Tom I mean I, the Steelers certainly didn't have it their own way in this game but they came out with the win which is sort of that's what people remember at the end of the season it was sort of like a, a muddy clash with Philly but it's not not a classic for anything other than the fact that Claypool got four TDs well I don't know I mean I was watching the game and it was it was a it was a very gripping game. Like if you remember sort of back to last year, it almost felt like a bit of a chore watching the Steelers, especially on offense. Possibly oh, yes. it was it I remember was, this very well. But <laughs> like this this game, I think I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just quickly do something because the media haven't actually done any of this yet, but Oh. Are we able to talk about how good Ben Ben, 
Ben Roethlisberger's been this year? Because it's not just the fact that, like, in comparison to last year, the Steelers' offense has been good. But I think Ben has the third best quarterback rating in the league. He's got one of the fewest amount of turnovers. He's controlling the ball. He's moving it well. Ben Roethlisberger is actually being a responsible quarterback and not force-feeding it to anyone. And the Steelers' offense actually looks competent now. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. I think Big Ben is playing well. I know I'm not a, um, I know I'm not an enormous Steeler viewer, and I'm certainly not sort of as plugged into the locker room politics and all that sort of thing as you are with Tony B. But he certainly does seem to be spreading the ball around and finding sort of the right reads. Mm. I'm sure I know that you're happy as a Steelers fan to have him under center. I mean. I'm at a loss to say he's been as good as some of the best QBs up there. Oh, no, I'm not saying that he's in the best bracket, but I think I feel like giving him just a few he's... props for not being silly <laughs> with the ball is nice. He's, he's well above yeah. serviceable, yeah. Anyone else got anything before we turn over to the Giants' best chance of winning a game this year? No. Nothing. Sam. Cowboys Giants. Um, so I guess we'll kind of not breeze through this again. Like for the score and for the Cowboys coming back, this I didn't find a terribly fun game to watch for obvious reasons to a degree. But we had, I think I was I was quite impressed by the defense. Obviously made some big plays, especially in the first half. Had some decent stops. I'd, I'd, I thought we had it, man. I, I was I was punished for my hope. And I, it was Danny the, looked as erratic as ever. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think his his erraticness was sort of um, really sort of ac- accentuated by the fact that Mr. Average was on the other side of the field. <laughs> sort of like he was the man <laughs> under center for the Cowboys because there was a on, sort of on the week that Alex Smith came back from his two year stint on the surgery table, there was a horrific injury sustained to Dak Prescott. Obviously I speak for all of us when I say that we, we wish him the best with that because it was a brutal injury. It was one of those where as soon Mm. as, as soon as he was sitting there looking at his leg and it didn't even look like a leg anymore. Yeah. The the most (laughs) (laughs) like, Oh, you've got to hope that's just a cramp. Oh my God, yeah. To a different view. It's because I think because <laughs> like Tony Romo obviously couldn't days. couldn't see, and it was like Dak was holding yeah. his calf, and it was like, oh, oh he's, he's down, and he's got his leg up, and oh, is it cramp? Because I thought initially, I thought, oh, he's he's down, but like it, it could be something that he could walk off, yeah. and then the other yeah, it wasn't happened, obvious from the offset, and and yeah. his ankle is basically like hanging off and floating in the wind, basically, and oh. Mm-hmm. Get he, well sustained, yeah. he sustained a compound fracture which is and a dislocation yeah he yes. dislocated and fractured his ankle so. but do, do you know so, what a compound fracture actually yeah means? it pokes through the bone mm-hmm. uh, there, were, there were bones in that sock yep. yeah <laughs> oh. Oh. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean you know the for the medical professional <laughs> <laughs> Given how bad it looked, obviously it's a. I think you know it'd be remiss to not call it a season-ending injury. But the you know it's not like you know I don't think 
Sorry, sorry. We just, we just, we need to go to some of it because there was some bounce in that song. <laughs> it's so awful, is it? Like the the thought of just like we're laughing at the fact that Dax like potentially like ended his season there. <laughs> <laughs> there is bones in them song. This is one of oh, these like career ruining injuries really. and Sam has just delivered a career defining <laughs> statement. <laughs> I don't I don't think obviously he'll have probably at least a season out, but I don't think beyond that it will affect his career that much. It's certainly not like a career ending like We we hope not. I mean that yeah. comment alone might have you sort of burning in hell, but that won't sort of <laughs> We know how painful hey, the Cowboys feel, fans are. I feel his pain, minus the compound fracture. Of course. Minus the bone breaking and piercing his skin. Minus I the 300-pound man on your leg. Mm-hmm. I mean, that too, but, you know, right there with you, bud. Perhaps you should send him some flowers and a card that's like, <laughs> can, we, can we be dislocation buddies, Dak? <laughs> hey, what are we like? Hey. <laughs> you know what the, the worst... Oh. Uh, well, not the worst bit about the injury, because obviously the injury itself is the worst bit about the injury. <laughs> one of the worst bits about the injuries, do you know those like, do you know how in America, like sport journalists on, on TV are all like hot takes, bad opinions, and like basically trying to be the Katie Hopkins of sport. Tony Dungay, uh, no relation to our good friend, Eric Dungay. Uh, Tony is pronounced Dungy. Yeah. It's, uh, I thought he was yeah. like Dungay. he he said after the game that we we sort of know how insensitive americans can be about things but this is a low blow for cowboys fans which i'm all i'm usually all for like shit all over the cowboys franchise as a whole most of the time but Mm. to come out and say that Dak prescott breaking his ankle in the middle of the game is a blessing in disguise for the cowboys (laughs) In, in what is basically Dak Prescott's career year, where he's like on pace to throw for 6,000 yards, is, oh is possibly God. the worst take I've ever heard in, in sport. So our bastard of the week, as far as I'm concerned, is Tony Dungey. Well, I'm going to have to disagree. He disgraces the name. Yeah, Apparently, Ed disagrees. Well, it, I mean, calling you that a blessing... a blessing in disguise? No, but like calling that a blessing in disguise is like going, well, you shot yourself in the leg, but at least you didn't shoot yourself in both. Like, no, because what? he said he came out and he said like, oh, but they'll go back to being on, they'll go back to being like a run-heavy team, as though like Zeke wasn't the main, well, one of the main <laughs> issues for them this year. <laughs> Dak was the only player giving a shit. Yeah, yeah. All it does, and we haven't talked about the Giants, which I think Sam's like thrilled about but <laughs> all it does is make the nfc east even worse yeah 100 there is yeah. there is one quarterback like left of starting talent and i wouldn't he, even really there were there were calls for him to be dropped <laughs> yeah he's having, heard, like, he's having carson, a career poor year carson wentz is yeah. getting calls to be chucked into the sea and have his contract terminated <laughs> like this is not him being a starting level thing eagles is this from esteemed you know, um, people within the sport, or is it? No, of course it's not. It's from angry Eagles fans on Twitter. 
Yeah. Okay. I feel like we can disregard that. No, but esteemed sports fans are saying that Dak Prescott's injury is a fucking blessing in disguise. So, you know, who's left as an esteemed (laughs) writer at this point? You may as well trust fucking Carson underscore Wentz season on on Twitter. (laughs) Jalen Hurts is my dad on Twitter. (laughs) 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 Right. Um, Where do we want to go next? Do we want to go to the one that's made me want to pluck my eyes out. Well, we've got two games left, so you've either got the one that made you want to pluck your eyes out or the one that made me want to pluck my eyes out. So which one do you want to go for <laughs> first? Uh, the one that made you want to pluck your eyes out. Let's go there. The Browns are good. Wait, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> if I know wait, I'm going to leave it in there with the bird. Fuck it. I'm keeping it. That's how I'm going to deliver all of my good points about Cleveland at this point. I'm just going to drink a beer and burp. burp. That was a fantastic game to watch. Classic Yinza fashion. Yeah, it was a very fun game. <laughs> the, the Browns are very enjoyable. They are. They're a good team. They're a very good team. They're sort of limitedly enjoyable, though, because they're sort of like heavy metal. Like, they're enjoyable for a time, but, like, at some point, you just want to, like, chill out and listen to some, I don't know, generic pop. No. I, I've no, yeah, ne- I disagree. I've, ne- I've never, I've never thought. Oh, I've had enough of Slipknot. I'm going to listen to fucking. Well, I'm not. I'm not suggesting. Fine. Let, let, me, let me rephrase. And I like Avicii, ah. but no. No, what I, what I sort of meant was like the Browns are situationally fun in that they're they're great fun to watch. But at the end of the day, if you if you were a Browns fan, they're they're the ones who like know that it's all coming to an end anyway. No, 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 they are not. I can confirm to you right now that the Browns yeah. are riding a Super Bowl train did you know that the browns have been making t-shirts right now about how baker mayfield is the winningest quarterback in cleveland because he's tied (laughs) ben roethlisberger for wins at first energy stadium (laughs) the browns have the browns have only just in the last 20 years had a quarterback that has picked up 11 wins at their own stadium and has (laughs) tied the steelers quarterback and they they have made a t-shirt about how now Baker is the winningest quarterback. See, I don't think they're I tied. Think Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh can criticize anyone else for bad choice of t-shirt design. You're right. But <laughs> at least we know when we're at least going to talk about a stat. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, as the proud owner of the Hunky Steelers fan t-shirt, I'm taking it. But... <laughs> that's not the t- that's not the shirt we meant, and you know it. Which one do you mean? <laughs> we, I meant the Mike Tomlin Pittsburgh oh, oh God, yeah. cancer to shirt. Yeah, yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not a great move from the from PR PR people. Sort of like someone dies of cancer in the hospital, and Mike Tomlin's there going, "At least you didn't die of Pittsburgh." <laughs> <laughs> if we're gonna talk, we we're not gonna we're not gonna make it inside ten minutes, are we? No, what between the two games? Probably not, but it's fine. We can we can come back on to Seahawks Vikings in the next one. It leads on. I really enjoy. I really enjoy watching the Browns, but it just reinforces for me how visceral my reaction is to their uniform. I hate it beyond words. It like how could like the the football is fun to watch, but it hurts my eye. It hurts physical pain. And the the thing what? is, the thing is, what does you, anyone get out of that? It's it doesn't brown. get any better when they're away either, because the white's sort of still horrible. And the the thing is, I really, really like you know that the helmet is doesn't have any insignia on it, and that the helmet. Is I hate. It. Yeah. Oh, I don't mind it actually. To be fair, I I think it's 
I think it's part of the identity. I'm all but for I it. Think well, the it rest, is, the rest but of the fact it. that it is is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember who the Browns played. The Colts. That <laughs> I think I think that this was this was the game that I think with with regards to the Colts side of the ball, um they won't be keeping Phil Rivers around any longer than a year. And if they are, then it's a terrible decision. I mean, imagine Frank Reich with a quarterback that actually wasn't throwing lazy thirty yard sort of floated passes directly at DBs like Frank Reich is one of the better coaches in the NFL and he's showing it with this defense that before the season we were writing off and is impressing. Although, to be fair, in this game, they, they struggled to keep the Browns down. Um, yeah, Phil Rivers... A lot of teams have struggled to keep the Browns down. Yeah, I think only Baltimore have, have managed it so far and that was week one when we had no preseason. So, But yeah, it's... I think Phil Rivers has got to go. I think he's he's the he's the biggest impact really on the on the Colts offense. And I think if if, I... if it had been better in this game, I think they could have potentially had a chance of winning it. I mean, it came down right to the end of the game, really. But two pick sixes. He, I mean, oh sorry, two picks, mm-hmm. one of them for six. I think he cost the I think he cost the Colts something like eleven points or something in terms of the amount of times that uh, they could have had like field goals or something. It was yeah six because it's six point. Yeah, that's what a pick six is. Ah, what do you know? <laughs> I did <laughs> every day. Fair, you learn did, something new. I did wonder because you you you've called interceptions pick sixes I knew that. on occasion, and I was I like, knew that was wrong. <laughs> but... Did you get why it was a pick six? Yeah, it's kind of arbitrary. Yeah, it's because you get I six mean, at the end of it. Just to go back to Indy for a second, it's almost like they're sort of in desperate need of a dynasty-changing franchise QB. Wow, it's almost as though they let one retire by being complete inept, uh, completely inept <laughs> for seven years of his eight in the league or whatever. And then the irony is they now have the strongest O-line in the league again. They, they've they literally built the best team to have Andrew Luck in there. And they, de- they, built, Andrew it, Luck. they built it eight years too late and let him retire. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's they an have, act of like, extreme dramatic irony, isn't it? Yeah, they have like some of the best special teamers. They've got a very good host of options for him to throw to. They've got a decent running back. They've got the best out line. They've got one of the better play, uh, performing defences, so it's not even that, that that they could have wasted. It's 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 a tragedy, really, what 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 really happened. Why did Chuck Pagano get to be Andrew Luck's final quarterback? Not quarterback, final <laughs> coach. Final head coach. Just... Yeah, no, I'm... <laughs> I'm yeah. It, that's that's egregious, isn't it? Yeah. The, just the just the cult. I still think about this every now and again. I'm like, every now and again, I think to myself, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> no, <just my> <laughs> um, every now and again, yeah, I do. I do have these moments where I think to myself, "This league would still be more fun if I had Andrew Luck in it." And of course, he made the right decision retiring. As soon as it's right, he retired. He retired. He's got enough money to support his family for the rest of his life. But the league is that little bit less special without him in and I blame the Colts organisation entirely for that 100% does anyone have anything else to add about this not me no 
Then I mean let's we've got we've got four minutes. Pain. Do what we say, let's explore Ed's pain? Well, what I was thinking is because Ed's pain is basically falling to the final game of this week, and we have <laughs> something that you want to discuss, and you want sixty seconds unopposed. Sam, <gasps> try and prove us wrong as to why the worst Star Wars film, aside from Attack of the Clones, is actually not the worst one. Okay, I'll preface this. I'll give you the sixty. But me, me and Ed I didn't are gonna... watch it. Oh, I was going to watch it this morning, but I didn't end up having time. So I'll go off the top of the dome. And I'd like to say, I won't, you know, I think there's enough negativity in the world. This will be entirely positive. Right. I won't shit on the rise of Skywalker. I'm going to get a clock up. I'm going to put 60 I've, I've seconds. Got the, I've got the meeting timer as well, so I can adjudicate that time. Okay. That's okay. fine. Right. So I'm, I'm going to mute myself now. Two, one. Okay, The Last Jedi is a fantastic Star Wars film, and I think it was perfect right when they needed it. Coming off the back of The Force Awakens, which was a good movie, it's serviceable, but obviously it borrows a lot from A New Hope. It's very much retreading old ground, and I think that Ryan Johnson injected a lot of kind of new, interesting ideas in Star Wars. It doesn't have to be the same old rehash. It doesn't have to work within the same old ideas that have been put forward in fucking 1970, whatever. It can be a new interesting story and have like interesting dynamics. I just think it introduced a lot of different ideas and it didn't go the way that you thought it would, which I think is exactly what it needed at the time. Ryan Johnson is a fucking great director. I think that was evidenced by the movie. If, and I know I said I'd leave the negativity out, but if you're not, a complete half work. It's evidenced by the movie, and the rest of his kind of, you know, filmography, as it were. It just gave something new. Fuck you guys. That was your 60 seconds. You have managed to change the minds of no one. Yeah. Everything, I cannot every, describe to you. Amazing. Everything that you just said just then was wrong. I cannot describe to you how angry last week's conversation made me. Well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just sorry that we're not able to use it because, like I say, it's completely unusable. It really is. But like, <laughs> so no no one's no one's going to understand why we're so like bafflingly angry about it. But we all are. the all the hate in my voice flowed through my microphone. Unlike any God, sort of emotion a, at a, all in that film. In the Last Jedi, that's devoid of. Are you shitting me? I didn't Sam, say you've already, Sam, 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 you've already had your 60 seconds. Ed, the time is over. You, you, we're, we're, not allowed, we're, not allowed to, we're not allowed to say anything else okay. about, about The Last Jedi, even though it is bad. You yep. people don't deserve a good Star Wars movie. Helmer Hits is a non-profit organisation on Facebook that is helping to further the culture of American football in the UK by contacting councils to get the sport into schools and by helping donate money to current teams so they can buy equipment and kits and anything that they might need. If you go onto their Facebook group, you can buy raffle tickets for £10 to win autographed jerseys and helmets, so get on it now. Right, Ed, Seahawks, Vikings. What a f***ing travesty. <laughs> Remember, you've got to talk about everything other than the refereeing decisions because we're doing that later. We'll get to that. <sighs> um, okay. 
The Vikings were up 13-0 at halftime, absolutely cruising. The defence came to play for the first time this year. They held Russell Wilson and carried to zero. Um, it was a different story in the second half uh, as the, the both teams sort of traded scores for a while, but in the end, the Seahawks came back. And of course, you sort of thought to yourself, Seahawks are going to win this. They always do. They took the lead. Then the Vikings took the lead back in a surprise, got the ball back again after a... Uh, Russ Wilson pick and tried to take it down the field. Fourth and one on the opponent's five. They could have kicked it, but instead they decided to go for it and four and fourth and one to end the game. Uh, Madison wasn't able to convert it, even though that's contentious as well, I meant to add. And they, um, <laughs> they gave it over. Russ Wilson had one minute and 56 and a, touch, and a timeout to score a touchdown. Didn't even need the timeout. They made three conversions on fourth down, including the touchdown on that drive. Classic. They went up 27-26. Yeah, that's all I can say without criticising the <laughs> f***ing shambolic referee. <laughs> that first half performance was sublime. It was as sweet as a Derbyshire oatcake, wasn't it? If I'm going to talk Seahawks, um, yeah. Russell Wilson is very, very good at doing the things that quarterbacks should be able to. And one of those things is <laughs> is doing these game got him. is doing these game winning drives, you know, like a quarterback yeah. needs to have the ability to to lead a team downfield with two minutes left on the clock and win a game in the clutchest of fashion. And if yeah. they aren't able to do it then they're maybe not talked about in that same elite bracket that you know, guys like Brady, Breeze, Rogers, Wilson, Mahomes, to an extent we've seen Lamar Jackson do it. I know famously Big Ben usually does these sort of things. Like we we see elite level quarterbacks leading teams on game leading drives, and it's why I like Matt Stafford so much. Um and Russell Wilson is able to execute this against the team that for the most part held him held him in check. Uh, yeah. I think Chris Carson struggled a little bit to get going in this game. Didn't really see much from either wide receiver either. Like Tyler Lockett had had a big drop and they couldn't really get anything going for the most part with their wide receiver game. But yeah, when you've got Russell Wilson in the two-minute drill to win a game, it's, that's that's his bread and butter. And it's what, it's what the yeah. QBs earn the money for. From the Vikings side of things... The only downside for the Vikings performance-wise was that eight-minute spell where it all felt a shit at the end of well, at the beginning of the second half because it was like the first half went yeah. so smoothly, and to be honest, for the majority of the second half, it went smoothly as well. But twenty-one unanswered points in eight minutes from coughing up the ball and not looking after it and not actually getting the first downs when it needs to be, and Dalvin Cook obviously getting hurt as well didn't help. It was like an eight minutes from hell that cost the entire game. And from a Vikings perspective, if you if you didn't have that eight minutes, you you're winning this game, walking out of here three and uh, sorry two and three, and feeling quite good about it. But yeah, yeah, just you're right. I mean, the, Dalvin limping off was a horrible thing to see. Uh, the good news is, according to Zimmer, who's like so vague on these kinds of things, he's not going to go on IR apparently. So that's a small positive. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And again, I'm sort of running afoul of not criticising the referees until later. but Oh, it's all right. After, as soon as this game is done, we'll be getting onto that segment, so you can have that yeah. in, a, in yeah. a minute. The only reason the Seahawks were able to get that eight minutes is because of a frankly ridiculous call from the referees. And that's not even the worst one. 
No, because <laughs> no, I'm I'm going to disagree with you on the first one. I do think the first one is a fumble. Um, the ball is out of his hands before yeah. the forward motion Absolutely. happens. I think I think it's not. I don't think it's an incomplete pass. I think it's a fumble. Um, I don't even think you guys are watching the same sport. I am. <laughs> we are. I think I think you've got this one wrong because you've been yeah. blinded by the fact that it was Cousins that coughed it up. But the second one I do agree was was yeah, the a very one egregious I, I one. I don't understand. Um, I don't even understand the basis for the call. Yeah. But as, a, as a Vikings fan, I just think we have been utterly unfairly fucked over. By, yeah, I mean, we have... Unfairly maligned is one way to put it. We've been shithoused out of 21 <laughs> points and a win from the referees over the past two weeks. And I mean, as much as you sort of... Or maybe not a win, but an attempt to win because we were driving down the field. We had 10 seconds to get into field goal territory. We were, at, we were sort of around about midfield. And Dan Bailey's one of the sort of more prolific kickers in the league. You'd, you'd put your money on him to at least make a kick from within the sort of 55-yard range. Yeah, he's done it, he's done it before. And um, to, to not be able to have the game end on a blown call is f***ing outrageous. I mean... I'm sorry, we are going to have to get the bleeper out because I'm swearing too much, but it is just <laughs> a fucking shit show. It was never an ejection on Smith. It, neither of them were fumbles. <laughs> Are you going back to Smith? He's gone back to Smith because he's angry with all referees. <laughs> yeah, it's just... oh. I haven't seen a convincing angle of the Smith one. That's okay. true, actually. All of them have been from sort of angles where something's in the way. From what I've seen, it... I wouldn't argue with the call, but and yet you would argue with the Ramsey call. No, because we got a good we got a good angle from the Ramsey call. We got to see that it was <laughs> Kyle Allen that lowered his head. Yeah, but do you know what happened? Two helmets hit each other. Do you know what happened in the Smith one? A helmet hit a fucking shoulder. Tom, how is that a helmet to helmet? How is that an ejection? Look, we're not gonna. I it just. I don't. We already got onto this last week. I don't want to keep going over it because otherwise I'm going to start rehashing calls from four years ago. But There's if we if we focus on this game, I disagree that the first one is an incomplete pass. I think it's a fumble. But the second yeah, one is, is straight up an incompletion. I concur. Even if you agree with that one, it's robbed Minnesota of the chance to take points out of that game. Yeah, I'm not arguing with you in any way. Yeah, I, You'll not find me disagreeing with you in, in terms of the fact that it was an egregious call that ended a, a very good game that had the potential to end in something very exciting. But... Yeah, you'll not find any complaints from me about uh, uh, sorry, any complaints about from me about anyone complaining about the zebras because, well, <coughs> we'll come on to my egregious point in a second. We can go on to your egregious point now before I burst a blood vessel. Um, so <laughs> as I mentioned, um, I think I'm 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 happy to say this, but aside from, I think Lions Packers last year, where the referees absolutely screwed the lions out of a out of a win i think that this was the most ineptitude well inept performance uh, from an official crew i think i've seen all year both teams left the game feeling angry with with calls that went against them and basically all of them ended up points but we'll 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 run through them in order because there are there are <laughs> there are several and all of them have have points but uh, we start out with with the Darius Slay one, very close to the goal line. There's there's a pass that's very much overthrown, um, 
sort of 20 yards downfield. Claypool isn't really going to have a chance of getting there. Uh, he goes up for it. The flags fly because Darius Slay has ob- obstructed Claypool's hands, uh, even though it's an uncatchable ball. So the Eagles fans are already pissed. The Steelers then score from that, and that's Claypool's first touchdown where he, where he rushes it in. Um, then we get Miles Sanders uh, rushing the ball 76 yards. As I've mentioned, there were three holds and an illegal block in the back on it. Uh, it doesn't get ball pulled back. I did actually say that for a run that good, and based off of the fact that there was the Slade defensive PI that led to a Steelers score, I'm not too fussed because, like, let the game go. Don't get in the way as a refereeing crew. Like, they may have just missed it, but it's it's a missed call anyway. And then sort of in the second half, while the Steelers are up by 31 points to 13, uh, Joe Hayden gets a defensive PI called against him for basically the same thing as Darius Slay. So, I mean, it was consistent. It was just consistently shit. Uh, allowed the Eagles to get downfield and Travis Fulgham ends up taking it in for, for points. There was also then the very next drive for for the Steelers. There was Chase Claypool makes a superb grab over on the right-hand side, hauls it in against a, a cornerback who has definitively fallen over at the line of scrimmage and has then stumbled forward 10 yards and has then tripped over. But because Claypool, in setting himself, has turned around and the defender has fallen over, the refs are just like, well, that's probably offensive PI, and just throws the flag, rolls it back. We go back ten yards, uh, and then Eric Ebron ends up fumbling because we've now got to go forward twenty yards instead of we're already in. Well, there's arguments because we don't actually have a good angle of whether or not Claypool even ended up out of bounds, whether or not Claypool even took it in because he he got in on the play. It was a legitimate catch that got ruled dead, but you never know. Eagles get the ball, and then. To sort of bring the Eagles back in with you know their fourth penalty in, in their favour, we've also got uh, Vince Williams apparently roughs the passer. Carson Wentz on, on a third down or a fourth down. Basically, they're turning the ball over. Incompletion, but they rule it back for Vince Williams roughing the passer where he hits him in his chest as the ball's being thrown with his arms wrapped around him, basically the perfect tackling form. And there's a flag flies and the Eagles take it downfield and score. And I'm telling you, if if we don't have referee shenanigans, this game ends up as a very interesting game and, and we all get to go home with Chase Claypool with five touchdowns and everyone everyone's happy with with a twenty eight to fourteen score line to the to the Steelers and nobody's complaining, but the referees Almost ruined a good game of football, and uh, and just everyone on on the refereeing side of the ball was complete fucking horseshit. I mean, you say nobody's complaining, but Pittsburgh and <laughs> Philly fans will complain about anything. But I do, I do agree with you. There were a lot of blown calls in that game as well. Have um, you had a chance, by the way, to to see the OPI call? Because when it happened, I I called it immediately as complete horseshit, and then. You said that it wasn't. Oh, so you said that it was offensive PI, but then Sam's gone back and looked at it and agrees that it is the Claypool one. Yeah, 
Yeah, 100% that was horseshit. Yeah. Have you um, looked at it yet? I haven't, no. My thought when I watched it was, you know, I could see sort of like hand fighting between the two, but because the camera came there late, it could have been that he's already fallen. I think if he's not already fallen, then it's PI, but if you're saying that he's already sort of compromised on the play, then... Yeah, because I think it was their, I think it was their like fourth string cornerback. I think Slay had gone out because uh, he'd picked up a knock or something, and they put their fourth string guy on on Claypool. Who, I mean, you don't really want to do that when he's already taken it in three times and has sort of eighty yards receiving. And Ben's clearly looked his way con- conse- well consecutive times on a lot of plays. You don't really want to have your sort of third or fourth string cornerback on him. And it's sort of as as they both leave the line of scrimmage, he gets sort of his legs caught up and he's just immediately, he's already going down. But then he sort of scrambles around. And then as he's trying to get back, Claypool sets his feet, turns around. And their guy, basically, I can't remember which cornerback it is, but he sort of clips Claypool's feet. So, I mean, he's falling over anyway. He then gets tripped over because of not having his feet set and making good strides. Claypool doesn't move his feet in any way to trip him up. He just sets his feet and they call it as, as OPI. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. So that's why I'm happy to leave ref corner, but <laughs> I was about to say that's, that's why the, the Seattle game is my reason why the Seattle, the refs in Seattle are my bastard of the week. Oh, I don't know whether or not I can I can I can justify Bast of the Week going to a refereeing crew that have made one mistake or a refereeing crew that have made five mistakes versus a man who on live TV said that Dak Prescott being here was a blessing in disguise. I feel like that's that's probably a bastard mm. more. Also, we didn't talk about no. it because it happened in preseason, but um can we give a, a sort of post hummus uh yeah, post hummus. Uh, I, I'm saying the word wrong on purpose because I hate uh, Skip Bayless with oh, a yeah, burning yeah. passion. Do you guys know about what he said about Dak Prescott preseason? I mean, I know he's said, I know he's said some awful things generally about an awful lot of things, but I haven't heard what he said particularly about Dak. So it's the reason why I bring it up now instead of when it happened is because, um, it, well, it's, it's because it's about Dak, but when the lockdown first happened, Dak Prescott had like, he had a lot of mental health issues and he was being very open about it and very honest. Um, and I think it was because his brother had passed away. Um, yeah. Lost his brother to suicide. This, yeah. 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 And he, he went into a depression and he was, he was very open and honest and he was talking to all of his teammates and he did press conferences. And I think that this is why I've, I've, I've chosen to hold Tony Dungy as, as my bastard of the week here because I don't like to see anyone talking shit about Dak Prescott getting hurt, especially after so much of what he's done for mental health causes. Um, and at least just furthering the awareness that people need to talk. And if, if you are dealing with anything, then open up to people and, and let people help because keeping it to yourself isn't good. Um, but Skip Bayless in preseason uh, said, well, he basically spent three and a half minutes uh, chastising Dak Prescott for not being a leader because in Skip Bayless's very unprofessional and very uh, boomer, I've always had everything handed down to me style fashion in, in typical boomer fashion, you know, they're the most entitled generation. 
a bunch of f-ing snowflakes. Things that Skip Bayless was saying was like, he's not a leader for talking about his mental health. And if I want a leader in the dressing room, I want someone that's stone faced and doesn't open up and doesn't cry. And it's like, Skip, you sit behind a desk on a late night talk show about sports. And if you've ever faced adversity, you sure as shit wouldn't have the opportunity to then have to go out and have pressure on you. Because in your profession, you can go fucking suck an egg for making bad takes and then you can walk away from it. But if your brother was to die and you were being open and honest about your mental health, then you would get support for it in the same way that Dak would. And nobody would be talking about how, oh, he's, he's having leadership issues or whatever. Why the fuck are you trying to chat shit about a man who, in, in times like this, are trying to at least help people by providing his own experiences? How much of a bastard do you have to be? So for that reason, Skip Bayless is my bastard of the season. Yeah, can we have him as a kind of retrospective and forevermore enshrined bastard? Yeah, we'll we'll have him as the. I mean, we'll 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 rename it to the Skip Bastard. Ba- uh, sorry, Skip Skip Bayless. <laughs> Skip, Skip of the week. Bayless Bastard of the Week. Yeah, they I can only thinking, hope to reach such lofty heights as he. Yeah, I was thinking we should have a sort of um, Skip Bayless sponsored Bastard Hall of Fame. That works. That works. <laughs> we can have it on the website. Yeah, some sort of induction ceremony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although I think. I think Emma's the only one that knows how to edit the website, so she will kill us if, if you know, I'll let, I'll let you deal with, with the brunt of that. But if we can get a Skip <laughs> Bayless uh, wing in the Bastards uh, Hall of Fame, then, <laughs> you know. I'm sure we can. His bust is like him biting a chunk out of a chinchilla. <laughs> <laughs> Punching a child. <laughs> Wearing oh. a cap backwards. I don't know if you saw the the whole ridiculous <laughs> debate about whether or not Carson Wentz was a good leader because he wore a cap backwards. Sounds like great journalism. Yeah, this is definitely like, Isn't this is the equivalent of Piers Morgan like tapping phones bit for ineptitude as a, as a journalist. So fuck you, Skip. It looks like such of a my, piece of shit. Yeah, from the bottom of my heart, Skip Bayless. Go and fuck yourself. Bye, everyone. Sam, can you just say very briefly, and Ben sort of called in with a take. Yeah. Well, a little treat for everyone. Got a, little, uh, got a segment from... Uh... Okay, let me do it again. <laughs> Line, ben Matthews. Ben Matthews. <laughs> I feel like, do you know that bit in Stephen Toast where it's like, hey, Stephen, this is Clint Fandango here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear you, Clint Fandango. <laughs> Right, uh, a tasty little morsel for you all. Ben Matthews of Gridiron Extra, who you'll know if you listen to the pod last week, he's very kindly sent us a little uh, snippet of his thoughts on the Seahawks-Vikings game. Might provide a bit more of a, a chipper insight than uh, that which Ed has provided. So feast your ears thusly. That's great, Stephen. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha